We are in week number two of our sermon series we started last week called Stay Gold. I'm teaching you a principle. There, there's, there's laws in the Bible, uh, laws like thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not murder, uh, thou shalt not lust, like things like that, thou shalt not. And there's also principles in the Bible. When, when God says, if you do this, this is how it will turn out. And I'm teaching you a principle for the, for the, for the next five weeks. We're going we're gonna to talk about this principle. The principle is the principle of the golden rule. It's a promise. What it says in the book of Luke chapter 6 is this, is do to others as you would have them do to you. you, you we, we started last week and I said, you'll notice, it doesn't say think about others. Because there's other religions, they'll, they'll, they, they have something similar, which they took from the actual Bible because this rule was in the book of Leviticus. It was written thousands of years ago. And, and Jesus reiterates it. A lot of times we'll say, think good thoughts, but, but Jesus says, you got to do what you want to see. In other words, we, we started last week and we told you very key, you need to be what you want to see. So I, I encourage you, stop praying for things that you're not willing to be to other people. Stop, stop claiming that other people are lucky and, and you just don't have luck. This has nothing to do with, with luck. Uh, stop praying for things you're not and, and understand that you attract what you, you are, not what you want. And so if you, if you want to see faithfulness in your life, you need to become a faithful person. We're going to take a look at that next week. If you, if you want people to be patient with you, we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. And listen, for me, you need to pray for me uh, because I'm still not this. So I don't know how I'm going to preach on this in a couple weeks. I'm still looking for somebody else uh, to preach on patience because I just don't have it, right? Like I just don't like to be patient, even though the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. I wish he would take that one out and we could go with the rest of them. And so we're going to look at patience. And in a few weeks, we're going to talk about encouragement. If you want people to be encouraging to you, man, stop being a criticizer. Like stop having a critical spirit. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm super critical. It's my job to criticize. Which, by the way, that is not in the, the fruits of the spirit. Just so you're aware, I didn't know most church people think it is. Uh, we're going to talk about being an encourager. But today, the title of my message is, is real simple. Uh, be generous. Be generous. How many of y'all would say in this house, and in all of our houses, we're going to have a real honest moment in here. How many of you would say the number one thing that you worry about in your life has to do with finances? Like literally, come on, put your, like you, some of you don't, you're, 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 you're clearly better than all of us, right? Like your number one thing you worry about, and may, maybe it's not like a financial need now, but maybe the type of person you're like, what if my car blows up? in two, two years from now? What if, what if I need a new water heater? What if, if you're a young person, what if my, my phone breaks? What if, what if, in America we don't typically worry about food, but maybe for some of you realistically, you're like, where am I going to get my next, my next meal from? What, what, what? Maybe you're looking for a job and you say, you know what, the number one thing that I stress out about it is money. Here's why we stress out about money oftentimes uh, is because money for many of us, it, it's the number one competitor for our heart. And it's for a lot of us, even beyond that, it's actually our God. We, we, we serve it. And the problem with money is when you put the pressure on money that only God is supposed to carry, what ends up happening is money can be a great blessing. It's a horrible God. It actually causes stress in your life. So many of you, uh, you're just struggling with something that, that, that I've struggled with, that, that money is a stressful thing, even in church. Even as, as we're opening up Royersford, I'm going, okay, God, you brought all the money for us to finish it, but, but what if you don't bring the money for us to actually pay to be in there now? Like, what if, what if everybody just leaves my church tomorrow? I have a recurring dream, like a nightmare on a Saturday night. I'm going to wake up and nobody's going to be at church tomorrow. Like, what if that happens? And, and you end up stressing about money. So for, for me today, I, I'm going to make you a promise. Now, now, you might not take the promise and, and run with it. 
But I'm going to make you a promise. If you would listen to this message at Plymouth Meeting in Limerick, and you would simply take God at his word when it comes to being generous, this could completely change your life forever. Like, it could change the way that you think and worry about money. When, when, when you begin, because money is just as much spiritual as it is physical. It's a physical thing, we get money, but it's a spiritual battle for many of us. And so I, if I could tell you, and this is not a pyramid scheme, this is not, hey, but, but if I could tell you, hey, you don't ever have to stress out about money again if you follow these principles, if you position yourself in the right place, never again will you have to, will you, have, you probably still will, but you won't have to. Like, I still do. But I don't have to, right? Like, I don't need to. It's just me being a human. I don't need to stress out about money because I, I have taken God at his word, and I, I want to trust him, and I want to believe him, and I want to see him move. And he has many times in my life. And here's the problem. When you talk about generosity, it, it is the, the first thing we think is, is God's going to take something from me. And, and if it ever requires something being taken from you, then, you, then by nature, we, we ultimately push back. Like, let me give you an example. I get iced coffees you know, like seven times a week at Dunkin' Donuts. And so, like, I, I like iced coffees a lot. And so I'll go get an iced coffee. And now at Dunkin' Donuts right now, they have a, they have a cold brew. Anybody ever see the sign? Come on, I see like a million of you walk in with iced coffees from Dunkin' Donuts. You're a liar. If you, and so tell me if this conversation has not happened this week. You pull up to the drive-thru, I want an iced coffee, and the, the person through the thing says, do you want to try the cold brew? Anybody have that? And you're like, uh, does it cost more money? I mean, what? A, yes. Then no, I don't want to try the cold brew. Anybody, like anybody there? Some of you, some of you, it, some of you didn't even realize it costs more money. You just pay them. They're charging you an extra fifty cents to have cold coffee after you already have cold coffee. Some of y'all say I can taste the difference. No, you can't. It's a taste. I taste it. It tastes the exact same. So you want to taste the coffee, a cold brew coffee? It's brand new. It's fresh. Limited supply. Does it cost more? Yes. No, I don't want it. Hey, I got it. I got an answer for you and your money problems. You got to be generous. Will it cost me a lifestyle change? Yes. Never mind. I'd rather in my stress. I'd rather keep sucking on my, my anxiety. I'd rather keep holding on to my, the feeling of never having enough. No, no, no. It might cost you more in the front, but it's going to lead to blessings on the backside. No, no, no. I, I don't want that. I'll just stick to the way that I'm living. And for some of you, you'll be there, and that, that's up to you because God's still going to love you. You're just going to miss out on the principles of this truth. Listen to what the Bible says in, in the book of Proverbs, and I love this, this principle in, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse number 24. Watch this. It says, one person, he's contrasting different people, one person gives freely, yet they have even more. One person gives freely, yet they have, and let me, let me stop you for a second. I'm not just talking about your money today. I'm talking about your talents. I'm talking about the best ideas that God's given, given you that you try to keep inside of your heads and not share them with anybody else because you don't want somebody else to steal your ideas. And God's saying, hey, if you would let, let those ideas be freed from your head, I could fill you with even better ideas. Some of you own a business and you have all these good practices and God's saying, hey, share those principles. And you're going, no, they're mine, they're mine, they're mine. And God's going, no, no, if you would release those principles, I would give you even more principles. For pastors, it happens all the time. We find something that works and we're doing well and there's other churches in the area and we, we're competing with them. And I believe that God will say, no, no, no. You help other churches out, and when you help other churches out, I'll bring you even better and more inspiration into your head. One person is very generous, yet they gain even more. Another, on the flip side, withholds unduly. Another holds on, but comes to poverty. Watch this. A generous person, there's two promises right here. A generous person will, will prosper. 
A generous person will prosper. And then the second promise, whoever refreshes others will themselves feel refreshed. You ever been there? Do something nice for somebody, and all of a sudden, you're like, well, that felt kind of good. It felt, it felt just as good, if not better, than getting something for myself. While well, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We don't live our life like that, but that's what it says. And then if you skip down a couple verses in verse number 28, it says, those who trust in their riches, they, they fall. For some of you, you're going to butt this, and you're going to go, never mind, I'm going to trust in my riches. For those of you... You'll fall. But then it says this. It says, but the righteous, those who look at money and handle money the right way, the way that God's saying, the way that God intended, the righteous, they'll thrive like a green leaf. The, the writer of Proverbs is saying, you'll be healthy. You know, you, you, we understand that principle. A brown plant, right? If it's supposed to be green, some of you are going, there's potatoes. No, a brown plant, if it's supposed to be green, because there's always a wise guy at church, right? If it's brown, it's dying. I asked Ian. We planted plants at Royers for that one on vacation. I said, Ian, water the plants. I came back. They were brown. So now I don't ask Ian anymore to water the plants, right? Because he killed them. A brown plant is dying. A green plant means you've succeeded. It's, it's alive. It's, 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 it's nourished. It's growing. He says, you'll be like a green, a green leaf. And so I, I want to talk to you about this today because essentially what he's saying is if you want to expand your level of living, you have to expand your level of giving. If you want to expand your level of living, you have to expand your level of giving. In other words, let's think about it like this. It's like going to those machines in, in, the, in the stores right now. You know the new Coke machines where you can get every kind of Coke ever? You know what I'm talking about? I wanted to have those when I was a kid when I can actually drink soda without blowing up like a tick, right? You go to the stores and you can get anything you want. And you take your cup in there. Your cup represents your spiritual life. You take your cup in there, you pick all the stuff, you fill it up. And many of you then what the next step is you put the lid on it, right? And then it would be like going back again to get a refill and keeping the lid on it. What would work out that well? You could pick, hey, I want a Coke with vanilla and cherry and, and a double twist. I'm going to get this. I'm going to put a little bit of this in, put some ice in. And you're hitting the lid. Many of you, your life has a cup, but it also has a lid on it. And everything that God has placed in your life, you put it in and then you've placed a lid on your life. Some say, how do I place a lid on my life? You've placed a lid on, on your life because you're not a giving person. The only way to take the lid off your life is to step out and be a generous person. Before you ask God, because I, I would say, I would argue that many of your prayers probably revolve around money. Am I right? Like, God, bless me. God, take care of me. God, meet my needs. God, I need a raise. God, I, I need a breakthrough. God, I need these things. I, I've been there with you. But what God says is, hey, listen, before I can send you what you're asking for, you first have to be a giving person. If you want to expand your level of living, you have to expand your level of giving. You have to take the lid off of your life, so to be. If you want to see blessings, you have to be generous. And so I want to talk to you about that today. How to position yourself to be blessed. I know it sounds like a TBN message. I know it sounds like I'm going to, listen, I'm not taking an offering up after this. I'm not even going to ask you for money. This message is strictly something I want to give to you, not something I want to take from you. We don't need your money. I, I, I don't need you to serve here. You get to serve here. You get to give here. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's the spirit of, of this house. That's old. When we were at Royersford yesterday, that was the spirit of that place. It was, it was amazing. The spirit is, we get to be here. I walked in today past one of our kids' workers, and the spirit of her was, she said, hey, we have six new families here. I'm like, what? 
We have six new families here. What she's saying is, I am so privileged to be here and be serving right now as new people get here. So listen, I'm not trying to take anything from you. I'm trying to get something to you today. I want you to open up your ears and hear this, and it's certainly not a TBM message, but I 100% am going to take God at his word here. So I'm going to teach you how to position yourself to be blessed. You don't determine how the blessings come. You don't determine what they are, but you can put yourself in the spot to get ready to receive them. Let me explain. When I found Leah, when I saw her at college, when I made eye contact, long before she was ever talking to me, I might have been positioning myself in places strategically that she was going to be at. Are you with me? We had a mailroom at our college, and I noticed what times, ebb and flow times, that she would go check her mail. I strategically would place myself somewhere around that mailroom. We lived in the same dorm. I would strategically place myself around the lobby when times when she would come in. I knew what her schedule was like. I knew without even talking to her when she went to class. It was a little bit creepy. But eventually, eventually, we made eye contact. We started to talk, and the rest is history, baby. I didn't get to determine exactly when she would say yes, but I was going to make sure that I was there ready for the yes, if you know what I'm saying. Same thing is true for God. I can't tell you how many times that he's blessed me in ways that I didn't expect him to bless me, and, and sometimes I even missed it. But I can tell you that if I hadn't have been where I was supposed to be, I would have missed it. And the way that you get to where you're supposed to be is you become a generous person. So here's two things. I only have two things that everybody say amen in this house. It's just a real simple. Usually I have four. Pastor Bob was like, you only have two today. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you always have four points. I was like, I couldn't think of anything else. So we're going with two today. And so just being honest with you. There's nothing spiritual about this. We got two points. Number one is this. How to position yourself to be blessed. Number one, I'm going to encourage you to ask God. This is a hard one. To help you to begin to look with open eyes around you. Uh, isn't that one of the hardest things in the world to teach your kids how to be aware of other people? My kids are just, they'll be in the public. They'll just Anybody, anybody ever run into a kid and they're just spinning around or, or, or a new thing my, my son does is anytime it's quiet, he starts to go, <laughs> go in the car. They act like there's nobody driving the car and I, I want to hear them scream. Like it, one of the hardest things in the world for me to teach my three boys is there is a thousand other people in this room with you right now. I know it's hard to understand. And, and they'll, they'll act, they'll look at you like, what? What are you talking about? And, and so many times in our lives, and, and I think this, this, this struggle continues into adulthood. We have so many problems, we have so many situations, we're always running late, we got our own family to deal with, that literally, that you don't even see the opportunities to be a giving person. You don't even realize it. Like, I, I just want to open up your eyes. If you're, if you're not a Christian in this place, you can listen. I'm about to talk strictly to the Christians. I'm about to talk strictly because they are my responsibility. Like, they, this church is my responsibility to shepherd. I, I want you to look with open eyes and not miss, number one, how ungenerous many of us are, and number two, where we can actually be generous. I, I just want to give you a couple stats. These, are, these were mind-blowing to me. These, 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 these opened up my eyes to how much we struggle with generosity. Just listen to some of these stats. The average American Christian, well, listen, you're not a Christian in this place, you can just listen. This is jaw-dropping. The average American Christian gives 30% less than the average churchgoer in 1933 gave during the Great Depression. What? Like, our biggest problem for many of us 
is AT&T just added another gigabyte or megabyte or whatever the heck it is of data to us because you just went over. Oh my gosh. My phone just went dead and I was about to catch Pikachu, right? Like I was about to get Pikachu. The truth is, if we just want to get into that, most of you can't even see the opportunities that are right in front of you to bless somebody because your head is so far up Pikachu's you know what. Let's just get really real in this place. That was a good one. I'm going to share that one in second service. I'll put that right in my notes. Quick, quick edit, right? 30% less. Listen to some of these stats. They get even worse. American Christians control 70% of the world's Christian wealth. We, we have 70% that the, the church, the, the accumulative church has. We have 70% of it in the world. Watch this. The average Christian, American Christian gives 2.6% of his income away, period. Some of you are saying, that's great. The average amount given by an adult in a Protestant church, that's us, is $17 a week, $70 a month, $840 a year. And watch this. A full 96% of American Christians don't give or tithe 10% of their income, while 50% give nothing at all. Nothing. Like every penny that comes in, you take it, you put it in the cup, and you slap the lid on it. And then when it starts... You know how your kids do. All my bills, all my toys, all my cars, all my phones, all my video games. There's nothing left. God! Fill it up. And God says, I can't. Why? Because there's a lid. There's a lid on your life. See, we need to open up our eyes and realize it's really hard to pray and ask God to bring stuff that we're not. Because here's the thing about money. If money has a hold of you, it will ruin you. So why would God send the very thing that's ruining you to your life? That's like a heroin addict praying for more heroin. That's how real it is. That's like a porn addict praying for easier access to pornography. Why would God send the very thing that is killing you, that is making you full of anxiety, that is giving you worry, that is making you have to take pills, that makes you hold on to stuff? Why would he send you more? When it's hurting you. See, I'm going to encourage you to look with open eyes. To ask God to give you the eyes to be a blessing to those around you. In fact, listen to what scripture says in the book of Proverbs 22. It says, for he who has a generous eye. For he who has generous. Why, why does it say eye? Because the Bible says, if your eyes are full of light, the rest of your body has light. But if your eyes, they're dark... The rest of you is full of darkness. What, what, what it's saying really practically is your perspective is powerful. If your perspective on money is it's mine, I have to hold it, I have to keep it in, I have to worry about it, I have to maintain it, I have to budget it, I have to be fearful of it. Your whole body is dark. But if you can get your eyes to be different, if you can get you to look at money in a different way, it says a generous eye will be blessed for he gives his bread to the poor. In other words, many of you miss these opportunities not because they're not there, but because you're not there. You miss the opportunity to be generous simply because you're not there. I read a, I read a quote this week. It was a challenge. I love it. I'm going to write it down somewhere so I can read it. And the challenge is simple. Every day, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to add value to other people's lives. Some way. Every day, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to add value to somebody else's 
lives. In other words, when you do something for someone they cannot do for themselves, it's an open door for God to do something for you that you cannot do for yourself. When you do something for somebody they cannot do for themselves, there's many things I'm thankful for my parents for. There's many things in my life. The number one thing I'm thankful for is they taught me and they showed me, not by just word, by, by, by attitude and by, with their hands, they taught me how to have generous eyes. They, they taught me what it looked like to be a person who, who gives even when it hurts. They taught me to look outside of myself. The only reason I'm t- teaching stuff is because they taught, they taught me. If you could tell me what is the one thing you want to leave to your kids, it's not, a, it's not a big retirement. I don't really care how successful they are at school and in the world. I want them to get good grades. I don't want them to, to flunk. I want them to be respectful. I, I deeply and desperately want them to have generous eyes. I, I deeply and desperately want them to notice a child on their bus that no one's sitting with. I deeply and desperately want my kids to be at the cafeteria table and have the generous eyes to look across and go, hey, wait, there's somebody sitting by themselves. I want them to be opening up presents at a birthday party and realize maybe there's somebody that doesn't have as much as they have, and they come to me after the party's over, and they go, hey, my friend, I know he's struggling, and I know his parents don't have a lot. Can I give him one of my presents? I deeply and desperately want my kids to have generous eyes. Why? Because when you begin to do stuff for other people that they can never do for themselves, God is able to do things for you that you can never do for yourself. Let me tell you about this one time when I was in college. I worked at a place called Spaghetti Warehouse. Anybody ever hear of Spaghetti Warehouse? It is a generic Italian restaurant. It was known around Dallas because it had this big trolley car in the middle. You could eat in a trolley car. And so I worked there. I was a host. Uh, And so I would seat people and do all this stuff. And at lunchtime, you could eat out on this, 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 this deck area they had. And you could get a dollar lunch, like a dollar. And it was so good. It was a big thing of spaghetti, salad, and this big thing of bread. Like this huge thing of bread. I would eat it all. I was in college. I could eat whatever I wanted. And so I would sit on this patio and I would eat. And, and some days, people that didn't have food, homeless people would walk by. It was in a city. And so one day, this dude walked by. I'd never seen him before. And I remember God saying, stop him and, and ask him if he wants lunch. Now, I have a weak stomach. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, there's been times when I've passed it over because I simply, I was like, I'm really hungry. I worked really hard. He smells. I don't want to do this, God. But God was developing generous eyes in me even as a 20-year-old kid. I think I was 20 years old or 19. I was in my first year of college. I was 19. So I asked the guy, I said, you want to stop? And he, he stopped. And, and we had lunch together. I went and got him food. He didn't come up on the patio because he wasn't allowed. We would have gotten in trouble. But he just kind of sat on the sidewalk and he ate food. And we talked and we began to talk about what I was doing for, for my life and where he'd been. And then, and then he did something in my life. And, and I, I'm a Pentecostal church kid. And so I've had all sorts of, of weird things happen in my life with, with, with evangelists and stuff like that. People blew me over and pushed me down and stuff like that. But this, this, this homeless guy, he began to prophesy in my life. I remember it. I was like, what's going on? He was like, hey, I, I don't really know you. He was like, but you are going to be a preacher to thousands of people someday. You're gonna, you have an evangelistic heart, and you're going to reach thousands of people. And I remember as a 19-year-old thinking, what the heck is going on? As soon as he was done, he left. He, he prophesied over my life, and he, he left. He, he spoke into my future. He left. I never saw him again. In fact, I'm thoroughly convinced, and I'm not usually like this, that he was actually an angel. The Bible says a, a couple times in Scripture that you can entertain angels when you entertain a stranger. Never saw him again, but I can tell you what, the words that he spoke to me, they blessed me that day. 
They were very generous to my spirit. Unconfident, didn't even want to pray in front of people at that point. Had no idea why I was at Bible college except for the fact that my parents said they would pay for it if I went to this Bible college. No idea what I was doing there. Had no idea about my future. I spent a dollar because God gave me generous eyes established by my parents. Let me tell you something. When you do something for somebody they couldn't do for themselves, God will do something for you you cannot do for yourself. The confidence that was instilled in me in that day through the promise of a man that I never saw again established something inside of me that still sticks with me today, even at my lowest points. The words ring true, more powerful than any word that was ever spoken to me in a church because in a church, that person had to say something nice about me because I was the pastor's kid. This is a homeless guy. I'm going to encourage you. Ask God. And listen, it's an adjustment. It's like walking into a dark room. When you're first in a dark room, it's really dark. But after a while, your eyes adjust and you begin to see the light. Some of you have been walking in darkness when it comes to generosity. I'm going to ask that you would pray to God. God, give me generous eyes this week. Let me see people that need to be blessed. Let me add value to somebody's life today. Let, let me give something to somebody that they could not have for themselves. And God, I believe positionally you will bring something into my life that I maybe could not do for myself. Number two is this. I think really important. If you're going to look with open eyes, then you need to live with open hands. I want everybody to do me a favor. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. I just want you to take your, your arm, put it on your, on your lap. I want you to squeeze it. Squeeze it. You know how some of you do when you make a muscle all the time, you look at it, right? You're like, oh, yeah. Just squeeze it. Now, listen, I, you might be lying to me, but I just want you to just keep squeezing it really hard. Just, just as hard as you possibly. Make it a game. How hard can you squeeze your hand? How hard can you? Just at Limerick, Plymouth, mean, just squeeze your hand. And, and I'm going to read you a couple of vibrators. Don't stop squeezing. Listen, listen, this is some of you, this is the most workout you've gotten in a year, right? You're like, I'm going to need some ibuprofen after this. <laughs> squeeze your hand. Just keep squeezing it. Keep squeezing it. Keep squeezing it. And as you squeeze it, I want you to listen to these verses in Deuteronomy 15 as we live with open hands. The Bible says in verse number 11 of Deuteronomy 15, there will always be poor people in the land. That's a promise. We know that's true. We live in America. There will always be people without. Therefore, I command you, church people, live your life open-handedly. Keep, keep squeezing. It hurt. My arm is hurting right now. Listen to this verse. In, in Hebrews 13, it says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. Squeeze your hand. Why? Why? For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So you're squeezing your hand right now. It hurts, I bet. I bet it's actually, listen, you're squeezing your hand. If you're, Some of you aren't listening to me right now. That's fine. Uh, but some of you listen and you're squeezing so hard that you actually, it's hard for you to even listen to the promises of Scripture because you're squeezing. Now I want you to do something else. I want you just to let your hand go and just shake it out. Just shake it out. Come on, shake it. Shake it. Now just hold it straight out. See what happens to you? You're just like... When you squeeze, it's taking all your energy, causing you anxiety, causing you to shake. Some of you, this is your position with money. You squeeze it in. You, you hold it in. And it causes all sorts of stress. But if really practically, I could get you to see what happens when you open up your hand. All of a sudden, your hand is open and it's, you know what that is? That ha is the availability of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to now get the blessings into your hands that he needs to get into your hands for you to accomplish what he's called you to accomplish. Man, my wife has taught my boys this and I love the principle. When you hold in, 
God holds out. When you hold in, God holds out. Why? He can't send nothing to you because you can't get it, because you can't grab it, because your hand is so busy holding on to everything else that you have. But when you give, you gain. You see, the problem is when we talk about giving, we often then have the perception that it's about sacrifice. And oftentimes, when you sacrifice something, you never see it again. That, that's how we look at giving. You're talking about giving, it's going to cost more than my normal iced coffee. I don't want to do it. I'm never going to see it again. But when the Bible talks about being a generous person, it talks about sowing. And sowing, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks from now in a sermon series called The Blessed Life. Sowing is actually a principle where you always receive more than you gave. That's the principles of the Bible. When you hold in, God holds out. When you give, you gain. It's not about sacrifice. Sacrifice means you'll never see it again. It's about sowing. You always receive more than you sow. It's a principle. You position yourself under the right spot. And I can't tell you how many times that I've lived my life with an open hand. When, God, when I say, God, you can have whatever that I have. That I've watched him bring it back. Some of you have never experienced this in your life and you've wanted to. And God's saying, take the step. Be a generous person. Be giving to church. Be giving to your family. Be giving at your work. Be giving with that person that you run into. Be a giving person. Those who are generous themselves are refreshed. Those who hold in unduly, they come to ruin. They never have enough. I can't tell you how many times. I can go all the way back to my childhood and I remember I was saving up for a baseball glove. My mom and dad were doing the Miracle Sunday at Morningstar Fellowship years ago. They have a building in the middle of a cornfield. Some of you are here because of that church. You have moms and dads in that church. Or you started this church with us where you first went there. Or maybe you visited there. It's a great church. And they bought this, this building in the middle, or this land in the middle of Bechtelsville. And one Sunday when I was a kid, they did Miracle Sunday where they raised all this money to buy this land, to build this building where now thousands of people have met Jesus. And it's been an amazing thing. And we're here because of that. And other churches are here because of what happened there. And when I was a kid, I remember my dad taught me to be generous. And in this miracle offering, for the first time in my life as a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, something like that, I heard God speak to me. Not in like an audible voice, but I heard it in my spirit. And he said, give. And I told my dad, I said, I got to give to the miracle offering. I have $100 in my account. I gave the $100 tried to talk me out of it it's just a hundred dollars and I said no I want to I want to give it so I gave the hundred dollars and I watched God bring back blessings it was amazing I got a baseball glove I got a I got a bike a dino bike not a huffy I got a dino I got all sorts of other things given to me but but I didn't nobody knew it wasn't like I was like I gave a hundred dollars here's on Instagram let me snapchat this my dad wasn't like walking me up on stage hey my son gave a hundred dollars no one ever said anything but but I saw what happens when you live with the open hand our church has always tried to mimic living with the open hand a few years ago we did that offering or that the campus in Plymouth meeting some of you are here because of uh, of this offering that we got to be a part of it at, at Pendale I've told this story before uh, but our district makes makes certain churches a project and so we became this project because we were doing Plymouth meeting and we traveled all around and, and we try to be giving to other people so the other pastors that were coming with us they don't have the technology or resources that we have to make videos to promote and produce stuff and so we brought them to our campus and John Decker our worship pastor he spent hours making a video we put together this really good kind of uh, uh, resource to show people here's what we're doing these three different churches they took up this this offering right we got $30,000 in this offering we used it for 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 for, for Royersford or for Plymouth meeting and it was really good 
It was a ton of work, though. I remember it was a ton. I had to travel over to places away from my family, sleep in a couple hotels, you know, just do all this stuff, drive through snowstorms, and it was worth the $30,000. It was also a ton of work. But we lived with an open hand. This year, as we were about to start this, this, this Plymouth meeting campus, and listen, we didn't have enough money when we started. We just didn't. That stuff was always more expensive. I got a call that the money that we got that time, that there was more money still coming in they had yet to give us. And they had another $38,000 for us. He says, do you, need, a, do you need, a, need it for a project? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, a week ago, we signed a lease to renovate a building in, in, in Royersford. I can't even keep the building straight anymore. When you give, you, you gain. That's how it works. Some of you have been praying, God, I just want to see you bless me. You pray about it all the time, and God goes, okay. If you want to be blessed, you got to first be, come on, tell me, church, a blessing. If you want to see the generosity of God, you got to first live the generosity of God through your life. If you want to live under an open heaven, God, first open up your hand to all that God has given you. See, the problem for some of you is you don't even realize how much he's given you because you're so busy comparing and competing with other people. But if you would stop looking at other people and you would fix your eyes on all that he's brought to you, Maybe then you would begin to take responsibility for what you have and go, God, whatever you placed into my hands, we're going to talk about this next week, I want to be faithful with. I don't want to see you bless me. God, I want to see you bless me. You have to first be a blessing. Would you stand up with me all over this house? Would you bow your heads? And would you close your eyes? All of the promise in Proverbs 28. Sounds too easy to be true, but this is what it says with your eyes closed as you kind of dive into a spirit of generosity. It says this, it says, a faithful person will be richly blessed. That word blessed doesn't only mean money. It means content, happy, excited, full of hope. A faithful person, the promise of scripture is there. The faithfulness of God is unwavering. Your job is to step into the promises of Scripture. It loves you no matter what you do. But man, when you position yourself by being a generous person, you begin to live with open eyes. You begin to live with open hands. You begin to allow God to flow stuff in and through your life. I can tell you right now from being a, a child that's been raised under this concept, man, it has changed my life. It has changed our church. The only reason we're here today because we, we are a generous church but the only reason we're a generous church is because we serve a generous God the question is not how much do I have to give when you serve God the question is how can you not give when the concept of the gospel is a generous God what does the Bible say in John 3 16 it says for God so loved the world that he, he gave that he generously gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life he did for us what we could have never done. He mimicked and showed generosity. And now as a church, our job is to be a mirror image of him. To reflect the nature and the goodness of God. And nothing reflects God's nature more than a generous giving person. So maybe you're in this house and man, I've struck a chord with you. Maybe you're angry, but the truth is if you're angry with me, it's probably because I'm starting to tear down the idol in your life. Maybe you're, you're afraid and God's saying, hey, no, no, no. Trust me. Trust me. Maybe some of you just in a very real moment at Plymouth meeting in Limerick, you say, Man, I just 
am having a hard time trusting God. Can't walk on water unless you get out of the boat. Can't walk on water unless you get out of the boat. You can't and you won't see God's faithfulness unless you step out in faithfulness. You can't, but I promise you that He's a God that does immeasurably more than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. That He's a God who has perfect timing. I've seen it over and over and over again. When I thought He's missed something or I thought He's forgot about something and all of a sudden He comes right at the right time brings the blessings, the finances, the peace, the hope at the exact right time. That's how good God is. But your first step is, God, I need to trust you. I want to look with open eyes this week, and I want to live with open hands. And maybe you're in this house today at a Plymouth meeting in Limerick, and you say, you know what? I don't really know and have a relationship with God. I believe in God. But I don't know that I have a relationship with them. Can I just explain to you how you do that? I was reading in, my, in, the, in the Bible today, in the book of John, where Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going to leave soon. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave soon. And they said, well, how are we going to get to where you're going? And he said, through me. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man returns to the Father except through me. So what did that look like? 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who we believe is God, fully God, fully man, he was born of a virgin. He lived on this earth for 33 years. And when he was 33, they put him to trial for a made-up cause. And they crucified him on a Roman cross, the same, the same death. Thousands of people have died before, but this one was different. His followers scattered in fear. They put his body in a tomb. He was fully dead. They wrapped him in cloth. They placed him in a tomb. They sealed it with the stone. They put a Roman soldier in front. And the story was supposed to be over. And the Bible says on the third day that the stone miraculously was rolled away and out walked Jesus, fully alive. The Bible says when he died on that cross, he died for your sins, past, present, and future. That he is the atoning sacrifice. That he makes you right in God's sight. That there's nothing you can do to make yourself better. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more or make God love you less. That God loved you so much that he sent his son to this earth to die on the cross that you should have died and your story should have been over in that tomb. But when Jesus rose from the dead, not only did he write history, he rewrote your story. That if your heart's still beating in this moment, friend, that God still has a great work to accomplish in your life. But listen, the only way to be connected to God is through his son. This is not religion. All religions say God is mad at you. You do step A, B, C, and D. You do stuff right, and then God will love you. The gospel says that God could have been mad at you, that God could have turned his back on you. But while you were still a sinner, that his son died for you, that he did everything in his power to have a relationship with you through Jesus. And here's what the Bible says about it. If you believe in God, that's right. But you need to put your faith, hope, and trust in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he is what I said he is. And in this moment, the Bible says, as you pray that by faith, you will be saved. You'll be set free. Every curse, 
every disease, every sickness, every addiction. They have to come under the authority of the name of Jesus. Listen to that name. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, that demons shudder and run. At the name of Jesus, your sin is forgiven. At the name of Jesus, your future is secure. All those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And the presence of Jesus is here right now. That's the promise where two or more are gathered that he's here. So if you're in this room at Plymouth Meeting in Limerick and you say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God. I came here to church today to try to clean up my life. Listen, you don't need to clean yourself up. God has already began that process. You don't need to fix yourself. You don't need to prove yourself to God. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. Heck, even after you take this step of faith, his love for you is not going to change. But here's what's going to change. The direction of your life. The hope of your life. The future of your eternity. The peace in your life. Your brokenness is going to get put back together. But you need to take that step today. You need to take that step towards Jesus. You need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So I'm going to ask you to do something all over these houses. Really bold. Nobody's looking around and nobody's worried about you. All the Christians in the house are praying about being giving, being generous, not being addicted to money. But maybe you're in this place and you say, you know what? I feel like God's here with me right now. I can feel him knocking. The Bible says that's what he does. He knocks at the door of your heart. If you would let him in, he would come and he would change your life forever. He loves you more than you can imagine. He's closer than you ever thought. And he's here right now. And you say, that's my step. That's my step. I'm going to take a step towards God. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. If that's you in this house with nobody looking around at our Plymouth meeting in Limerick campus, very boldly, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand. If I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life, I see a hand over here. Is there anybody else? I see a hand right here. I see a hand right here. Yes, yes, yes. I see hand, hand. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. We're only clapping because we serve a generous God did everything. I see another hand. Yes, yes. Anybody else says, Pastor, that's me. He's a generous God. He's a good God. He got you right here to this moment. You thought you were just coming to church today. That's not what happened. You were coming to have your life changed forever. You're going to become a brand new person as we pray. That's what the Bible says. Is there anybody else who would say, Pastor, that's me. Would we just keep praying for Plymouth Meeting in Limerick as we wait to see if anybody would would respond? We're going to pray together all over these houses. And as we pray, if you raise your hand up, nothing eloquent. The Bible says, just call on the name of the Lord. So this is what you're going to pray. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross for my son. I believe what the, I don't even understand it all. But I believe in you. I want to live one more day outside the purposes and plans of my creator. God has a good good plan for you. Would you pray with me all over these houses? Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for those that raised their hand. Thank you for those that are watching online. Thank you for those at Plymouth Meeting in Limerick. Thank you, Father, for right now moving in this moment, Lord, that we are just people. I'm just a man. There is nothing significant about my words. But Lord, your presence is here. And the word of the God says that it never returns void. And today you set out and you accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Your word cut us to the core. It brought hope. It brought peace. And for many in this place and many listening to my words, it's bringing new life that is only found in Jesus Christ. Lord, they're praying a simple prayer. It's not about eloquence. Talking to you like a friend. You're closer than they could ever imagine. God, I want a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe that through his death, burial, and resurrection that I can have new life 
that my sins can be forgiven and my eternity can be secure. But not only that, that my life on this earth will be filled with purpose. Tomorrow is going to be the best day of my life because it's going to be the first day that I wake up and my eyes have been spiritually open to the fact that I'm not an accident. I'm on this earth to accomplish something good for the kingdom of God. It's going to be the best day of the rest of my life. And Lord, I pray and I believe that their best is still yet to come. And Lord, as the enemy comes in and tries to remind them of their past, tries to convince them that what just happened is not real, Lord, it's a lie from the enemy. Lord, will they hold on to Scripture that when you forgive their sin, you forgive it as far as the east is from the west. What that means is you choose to forget it forever. It's no longer there. They're a brand new person in Christ. What was true of them is no longer true of them. Their best days are ahead. Jesus, we thank you that you're a generous God. I thank you that you're going to develop a generous heart in this church, that we're going to look with generous eyes, that we're going to live with generous hands, Lord. And as we do that, Father, we're going to see you richly bless us. That's what the Bible says. For every good work at all times to win those far from you and continue to build the kingdom. Jesus, thank you so much for this day and your word. In your name we pray. And would everybody say amen with me? Let's clap together. Let's thank God for